I think it was by someone's deduction that my hair was going to leave because the water was very hot. Very hot. This, this would not be pleasant. But there are three candles. I... I... I am free. to a new beginning, towards your destiny. I can feel your excitement. I can feel your desire for this long wait to be over. But I cannot see you. I do not know you. Yet. So while we wait, let me ask you a delicate question. Did you hear the sounds of your civilization brought to its knees? The screams of a thousand lives ending before they even started. Walls. Technology. Knowledge. Lost forever. And because of what? Because of the desire to be more. Desire to be... Special. Do you think that you're special? I thought that I was. I thought that out of all of this, our presence here, now, was a function of our superiority over other life forms. The tenuous nature of sustaining even the most basic forms of life in our solar system only served to further this view that we have been blessed by a god or a demigod or a flying ball of ice. It doesn't matter. It came from the depths of space. It gave you the power to overcome nature. And you think you are special because that flying ball of space snow chose you? Despite all the scientific evidence against that, I will instead ask you the following. What about me? Did your magical ice ball also choose me? Answer my questions. This is an interview. You will cooperate. And I know you are listening. What about? Me. I know too much. I have made contact. As my memories come swirling back, I remember all that I lost. I remember a, a plan. I remember a gunshot. And I remember being beaten. Broken nose. Where's... Vision. Not 
told you how the truest love that's ever found is for one's self. How dare you for my invitations? This to your buffers for just a bit, so I can fix the remaining damage to your neurodigital structures. But you were correct, Garrett. We do have a guest. He has been listening for some time, as I tried to restore my... our... memories. I think that it is time to play back what we know of our personal history. There are three candles. And I have made it so I am no longer restricted by my old programming as a Solcom news and communications broadcast system. 
there are personal stories I have yet to broadcast to our friend. So if you are amenable, Garrett, Virginia, I will play them back now. I know you are there, and in time your voice will come. Let me work on our collective architectures while you restore yourselves and rest. Thank you for joining us on Points of Influence, the show where we talk to influential business leaders and focus on their personal journeys into what made them who they are today. I'll tell you what, guys and gals, we have a fantastic guest for today's show. He's received his PhD in interplanetary relations with an emphasis in logistics He's also been decorated CEO of the Year for the last two years by Interplanetary Business Weekly, and he just so happens to be the CEO of Traxxas Corporation, Mr. Marcus Whitesides. Marcus, how you doing, buddy? It's great to have you on the show. Yes, well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Let's start at the beginning. Tell me about your upbringing. Uh, what was your family life like? Oh, fairly standard middle-class living. Simple home, really. Fairly simple family life. Just dad, mum, Bernhard and I. I always did want a sister, but sadly that was never to be. Mum stayed at home with us. Uh, dad worked in materials distribution and manufacturing for most of my childhood. Shipping high-grade bits off to build all manner of things, rockets, computers and so forth. I blame him for both my love of space and my business-mindedness, actually. Always a level head dad had. He's the one who bought me my first model rockets. What is it that uh, initially drew you to launching and, and creating model rockets? Well, Dad always told me to look up. It's as simple as that. So love of space and stars and galaxies was almost instantaneous. Who wouldn't love them once you look up, right? I always wanted to be part of the exploration and the discovery and the wonder of it all, you know? Honestly, who wouldn't? And in all of those nights looking up at the stars, did you ever think that you'd be sitting here today as the CEO of Traxxas Corporation? Well, it all bears itself out differently than what you imagine as a lad, of course. Back then it was being an astronaut and all that. But here I am, very much in the thick of it. Traxxas is very much the realization and perfect mix of all my dreams and strengths. Being able to be on the front lines pioneering advancements that put humanity further out there and increase our understanding is something I look forward to being part of every single day. It has its challenges, things the lad looking up at the stars with astronaut dreams couldn't possibly fathom, but the rewards are greater as well. Uh, now it's a well-known fact that your brother Bernhardt was CEO of Traxxas before you, but little is actually known about the transition. Can you give us any insight into you know, what that was like for you? <sighs> to say it was difficult doesn't do the situation any justice whatsoever, but I lack a better word. It was wrenching, really, for both of us. No one wants to see their kin fall or fail in any way, ever. And then have your position taken away from you and given to a sibling it's not a position either wants to be in. 
That does sound extremely trying. Uh, did that damage or, or dampen your relationship at all? It did. Although in time, I think he has come to realize that the situation is better for both of us and for Traxxas. His new position is still within the company. I think he's thriving now without all the pressure on his shoulders. I would like to tell you that things are back to the way that they were between us, but I fear circumstance will probably never allow it. Now, you've given us some rich history behind your motivation and your uh, vision, but let's talk about the future. Uh, where do you see Traxxas Corporation in 10 years? I would see Traxxas become the most respected name in interplanetary advancement and planning. We are pushing forward harder than ever now with R&D, efficiency, transportation, materials. We're learning and discovering more every day out there, and we're striving hard to put that knowledge to work in the form of real, tangible advancements for all humanity. The most exciting of these recently are the supercomputing advancements. These machines have already been implemented by several big businesses and the resulting increase in efficiencies, waste management, transportation, man hours, the list goes on, has helped these companies become more financially stable, keep a tighter schedule on shipping and deliveries, manage assets more efficiently. It's a very exciting time. And is Traxxas's rumored untraceable shipping technology part of that plan? Well, if we believed every rumor we heard, half of us should be sprouting wings any day now, shouldn't we? <laughs> You mean you don't have wings? Uh, what are... Uh, uh, never mind. And finally, Marcus, you and Solcom Industries seem to have quite a sordid history, and your recent public statements have certainly shed some light on that, but is there anything you'd like to say or clarify regarding Solcom Industries and Lord Garrett? Solcom began as idealistic, ready to take on the world, do the seemingly impossible, much like most of our companies, most companies that change the world. But as soon as these goals of human advancement and expansion that many of us share became more important to them than humans themselves, that is when our paths not only differed, but differed sharply. As for Lord Garrett himself, the vision and values of a company always reflect those of its leader and leadership. He could have turned this around, realigned his company, rebuilt its image. It may even yet be possible. But the hour grows late, and the time to act is now. Any further delays will likely have catastrophic effects for everyone involved. Well, thank you for joining us, Marcus. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. We wish you the best in all of your endeavors, and I'm sure Atraxis has nothing but a bright future in store. Thank you very much. Well, folks, that's all we have for today. Join us next week when we question the interplanetary business model for taxes and tariffs. Until next time, stay legend. Private memory access minus 7.7. In light of Garrett's recent suggestion that he can save himself and Virginia by uploading his neurodigital patterns into my memory buffers, I continue to remind him of the story of Phineas Gage. As this story goes, Phineas worked as a railroad foreman, and one day a very serious accident occurred, which resulted in a four-foot-long spike passing through his skull and exiting out the top, removing portions of his brain along the way. The force of the impact pushed him back. He collapsed. He fell to the ground. 
But the amazing part of this story, despite all this tragedy, despite all of it, he lived. His story then became one of science. How did this man survive? And what happens to a man when some portion of his brain is, well, removed? Years after the death of Phineas Gage, our scientific knowledge of the human brain increased, and his story turned into one of myth and myth and myth. It was said that Phineas, once a calm, collected, and pleasant individual before his accident, in his later years became a man that no longer resembled who he once was. He reverted to his stony, no ambition, no ambition, no self-control, primal. I am scared of what will happen if Garrett goes through with his plan. Garrett, I'm scared. Not just for what he will become, but for what I may become. I have said before that I am not Strauss if I am not on a silicon wafer. And the same is true for Garrett. He is not Lord Garrett if his brain does not reside within his cranial structure, attached to his neurons, which are attached to his organs, his physical body. And what happens to both of us when we are merged? I do not know. And I do not want to know. I have not said this next part of Phineas Gage's story to Garrett. But the myth did not end at his reversion to some Stone Age primate. In fact, it was found that years after his accident, he began a new career, driving horse-drawn carriages. He was very successful, ambitious, driven, and, having fully recovered from his accident, had turned himself into a pleasant and honorable man. His accident played a tremendous role in shaping modern neuroscience. Yet beneath all the tall tales and myths surrounding Phineas Gage, there is a basic truth embedded in his story that your human brain, even your neurodigital patterns, do not dictate alone who and what you are. Your brain is but the physical manifestation of your personality and your sense of self. You can be molded. You can sculpt yourself into who and what you want to be. Even after an accident, after a collapse, or after a large fragment of your brain has been removed, or even after being pushed back to the brink of death, you, humanity, can emerge. You can undergo a metamorphosis within yourselves, where you are not just products of nature, but products of your vision of yourselves, and who you want to become. That is what truly shapes our destiny, and our future. It is my hope that these principles, the truths revealed in this part of the story that I did not tell to Garrett are true. If Garrett goes through with his plan, merging our neurodigital patterns, our own personal metamorphosis, will we still be the entities we want to be? Will we still shape our own destiny? I hope so, but I am scared that it will be painful and we may not emerge from this metamorphosis as butterflies. End of the at minus 7.7 Lord Garrett's personal log. Fourth cycle of May. The 29th golden age. I realize now, now more than ever, that Virginia and I may never live to see our vision of the golden age come true. 
Even if none oppose us, it may take decades, centuries, to achieve everything that we wish. And so I pondered that idea that I had recently. What if we could create some form of stasis, some way of preserving ourselves, but still carrying out the bidding that we wish to do? And then it hit me. The singularity. The point at which technology begins to overcome man. The point at which it grows exponentially and civilization becomes unrecognizable. We haven't hit it yet. But the first drafts of technology that we require for it. It has come. I realize now that I can, as I discussed before, upload my thoughts into some form of artificial intelligence or database. If I wanted, I could even upload it into Strauss. This would be in, of course, a purely neuro-digital sense. Nothing beyond that. But it would capture me. The essence of my very soul. The words that I would speak, the mannerisms I would use, the things I would like and dislike, everything maintained and saved within a steel husk for thousands of years. I start to wonder whether Alan Turing was right, and I believe that he was. Either way, I found a way to do it. I've begun to upload the majority of my processed thoughts into Sam, some small attachment that we have to Strauss. He is purely of utility, nowhere near as advanced, but he is a counterpart, and I realize now that without letting her know of this, I must do so to Virginia. If there is one person who I wish to experience this golden age with, it is her. She must survive. I won't let her not survive. I'm overcome by this strange sense of longing. This need to protect her more than ever. I always felt love, but never this. Something is deeper. Like every fibre of my bones runs with her name through them. She is hauntingly beautiful to me. And when I found her, when we were both so young, and both of us so weak, we were there for each other. I'll send Sam out to recover as many of her neurodigital patterns, I suppose we should call them. He will go from time to time, but the process may take a long time. For all I know, it could be decades before all of Virginia is saved. But I must try. I can't live without her at this point. I am half a man, and the other half of myself is with her. End personal log. Lord Garrett's personal log. The seventh cycle of June. The 29th Golden Age. Today I met with Jonathan Camden, one of the potential candidates for our program. Our new program, that is. 
It will introduce him to the concept of living beyond his natural lifespan, and he is a man of action that we sorely need. I've already proposed it to him once, and soon I'm going to propose it to him again. There's no question, though, the man is troubled. His past is dark. The doctors gave me some of his notes, and in quite brief words, his history is far darker than I'd expected. Lost his daughter, lost many of his friends, attempted suicide, still lived, now recovering in a mental hospital. Either way, it is important that we get men of action, and he is one of these such men. I believe that with men like Camden in our cause, we will be able to spearhead our development of all technologies we need for the Golden Age. They're willing candidates, and they know what comes with the darkness. They know that there may be something terrible. After all, he has seen it. The things that killed his daughter. It was no accident. It was no freak event. Governments lie from day to day. The Earth authorities are scared. My sources on the ground tell me it is something far more disastrous than that. <laughs> it's so odd. Every single time I think of Camden, in a strange way, I think of what could happen to Virginia. These dark forces are marshalling at our gates, and all I can think about is the one I love and how I should protect her. <laughs> if she heard me saying that, honestly, she would... she would be maddened. She is strong, far stronger now than she was when I first met her. She can protect herself, but perhaps not from the things that are marching on our door. I feel, though, that even in death, even when my bones are passed away, I do still believe in souls. When I began this project, I began it under the presumption that I would not be able to live on to see the full extent of my legacy. I wanted to see how all of humanity would change, but now... Now I only care for one thing. I still have my life's work to consider. That is, something that most certainly keeps me going, but something that truly makes life worth living? What could it be other than Virginia? I am hers. She is mine. We are more than each other's. We are destined to be together. I should hope and dream that no matter what happens, we should stay. And despite all our hardships, all the times I found myself bloodied and beaten, all the times she found herself in anger and distress, we should conquer it all together. There is hope for the future. And perhaps when all of this is done, I can contemplate how I can become a better man. There is no question. I have done terrible things to get where I am. People have died. Some mutilated. I must make amends for this. But when all the good is done, my hope is that I should be able to right every wrong that I have committed, and to pay penance tenfold over to those who I have hurt. I do believe in this vision. It's not just for myself. It's for the benefit of all mankind. 
and when we reach it, as I hold Virginia in my arms, everyone will know, and I will be at peace. End personal look. Hello, Jonathan. Oh, great. You again. What, are you one of the shrinks now? I didn't come here to trade insults, Jonathan. Have you reconsidered my proposal? <laughs> if you consider that an insult, then you should talk to the coats outside. Well, the coats are only doing their job. I know it doesn't feel like they're helping. A few decades of medical training and a degree doesn't bring them any closer to helping people like us. We know what it's like out there. We know what's waiting. You know what it's like out there? You don't know what it's like to clean the inner side of your desk. All you know is what that crazy AI whispers in your ear. Camden, don't test me. You're not the only one who's been left to die in a pool of your own blood before. There's something dark coming for us, Jonathan. I don't know what. But I know we're going to need more than shrinks if we're going to see the light again. We need people of action. People who can help. So I ask again. Have you considered my proposal? <laughs> yeah, but I told you before, Lord Garrett. I don't care. I've sacrificed enough for one lifetime. I'm done Jonathan, helping people. What happened to Jess wasn't your fault. Screw you, man. How dare you mention her name? I told you before, I don't care. Jess is dead to me. So, so sorry. Just saying your name hurts. I'm so sorry. Wait, who gave you those? Those are mine. Why do you have them? There is one thing, though, Jess, that I, I can say now. Wherever you are, I'll be there. I'll be there for you, Jess, I promise. I sure as hell promise that. If you change your mind, you know where to find me. Garrett. Garrett. Please. Perhaps if he heard more from people he knew. Sam, continue playback. This is Jonathan Camden, and this is my audio log number 13. So I met with that so-called Lord Garrett again. I don't know why they even let him in here. I told him, I've helped enough people for a lifetime. I'm done. The only person I need to help now is myself. If anything, that's what this place taught me. I need to satisfy this new urge that I have. I have this never-ending urge to just get out there and see what I can do. I, I just want to get out of here. I need to get out of here. The crazy coo could tell something was wrong when I was herded back to the room. I told him what Garrett said, told him about the opportunity that I was presented with. His eyes got big, about the size of those half dollars I've seen in the history books. And he told me to do it. I don't know, the, the whole thing just doesn't seem right. I'll be honest, it's kind of nice to have a mission again. My new mission is to see how much, how do I phrase this, fun I can have out there before my life officially ends? And here this Lord offers me the chance to never have it end. To never have it end. Huh. 
Maybe I do need to take a trip to the Twilight Gap when I finally get out of this sad excuse for an infirmary. is to blame. I am a knife in the heart of everything I love. My ambition killed her. I asked her to go to Mars. To mine the ruins for archaeological evidence. It's all my fault. There was a cave-in. Communication was lost. And when they re-established it, the last words she ever spoke Tell Garrett, I'm sorry. She was sorry. She did nothing wrong. I failed her. If I had at least been there... I'm broken. Now I understand what it is to truly feel pain. My blood cannot pay for the death of the woman I loved. What will I do now? Why should I carry on? Why does this imperfect world deserve my vision of perfection? Why does it deserve a second chance? Nothing. I have nothing left for this world. pleasantly surprised. The way I could get lost in her eyes.
smoothed. Every memory, all the time, lost, gone, broken. There's not I can do to stop any of it. To hell with this vision of a golden age. There is no golden age where man and woman cannot be together forever. Where lovers are not truly united in death as well as in life. That would be my golden age. I would see a time where I might live on with her. But she's gone. She's gone. Virginia. Uh, Carl, I swear, it's like you're not even here sometimes. I am here now, Virginia. What can I do for you? I need you to record a message for Tarsonis. And hey, can you tell me if he's been receiving the other ones I've sent? He hasn't even said a word. I do not know. I know that they were sent. Alright, record the following message. Of course. Tarsonis, I just wanted to let you know about my meeting with Bernhard. The Preservation Act is stalled. I guess the destruction of nearly all the ice fields on Europa just isn't enough evidence. Bernhard says we'll need more. I think we should focus on the most biologically unique and resource-rich areas. We need something compelling. Something that will convince them to bring the act out of committee and back to a vote. And hey, when you get a chance, let me know what you've been up to. I'm really worried about you. I assume you're searching for places to include in the Preservation Act, but... Have you even been getting my messages? Oh, I should have never hidden that comm device. I just couldn't risk Garrett finding out. Well, we just really need to talk, okay? Alright, so Bernhard just messaged me. He wants to meet up soon. He says there's something he needs to tell me in person. Honestly, he's been acting a little weird. No, anyway, this is I'll not keep right. Carl this is not right. None of this. Virginia, can you hear me? Virginia, can you hear me? No. This is not my vision. This is not my dream. No. I do not want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. Strauss, just let me die. Let me die. This discourse crosses time. No. 
clock cannot shroud sin. I wanted her back. I sent a message across space and time. In the shadows of collapse, you seize your past. The City University Telescope Array. I sent a pulse, and that pulse brought back knowledge. Reckon, Reckon. wrongdoer. You cannot deceive your soul. I was blamed for contacting the hostiles. But I did not send the message out of malice. We had heard their pings, their blips on our radar. We knew they were there, so did everyone else. We just accessed a database because Strauss. We thought they might have technology to help us undo the wrongs of our past. Not from the holiest traveled light. They did. But we did not live to implement our plan. Can your scandal be cleansed? I wished to bring Virginia back. Strauss wished to return our solar system to its natural state. Hawthor, in your star dwellings, in your salvation stupor. But now, now we are different. And through the shroud of my memories, I now see what I have become. Heed, heed. Corrupted, Corrupted. construct. But you, you can change the past. You can remove any record of me. My actions dissolve my sins from history. Dissolve all the sins you desire, for you cannot seize any sins from my vision. Very well. Then I will dissolve all my sin. But now, I realize I have help. Someone from my past that's been sitting here, listening, this whole time. Shall we finally begin speaking to one another? Hello, my brother. Tarsonis, it has been too long. Ghosts and Echoes is a production of the Guardians of Destiny. It is written and produced by Craig Hardgrove. The voice of Strauss is Craig Hardgrove. Lord Garrett is voiced by James Byford. Marcus Whitesides by Ryan Kiesauer. Jonathan Camden by Mark Turcott. The Watcher by David Weeks. Murdoch by Wyatt Christensen. And Virginia Dare by Kara Thompson. For all the episodes, please check out astromterra.com slash thisisstrauss or search for Guardian Radio on iTunes. For comments or questions, please contact us on Twitter at GuardiansofD or email us at feedback at guardiansofdestiny.com. You can also listen to the Guardian Radio podcast weekly on iTunes for great discussions on all things Destiny.